it's so easy to get kind of carried away by very heroic stories, you know, and these things we might see in the tabloids, you know, and and things we tend to celebrate. But the real life turf is in the moments when we face something unexpected in our own lives. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarko.com. I'm delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Amelia Elizabeth Latti who's an award-winning educator, speaker, and published author all the way from Finland. She is an international speaker on topics related to Sisu, excellence in leadership, interpersonal relationships, and personal growth. Her PhD in 2022 was all about pioneering the ancient Finnish construct of Sisu, which really is about accessing previously unknown inner strength and resolve in the face of life's adversity. And this is also the focus of our new book. Elizabeth also completed a 2400 kilometer 50 day run and bike journey across the length of New Zealand as part of her action research. Her work has been featured at Business Insider, BBC, Forbes and Spirituality and Health, amongst others. And you can learn more about Elizabeth and her work at Sisu Lab. That's S-I-S-U Lab, L-A-B dot com. Elizabeth, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Great. Thank you, Mark. I'm really excited. Talk to us about this concept of Sisu, what it is, why it matters, and, you know, what have you learned about it? Mm. Well, Sisu, in addition to being kind of my own personal North Star, everything in my life a little bit revolves around Sisu uh, in many ways. And it is shortly described, it is life force. It is that that keeps our vessels pumping. It keeps us going on and not giving up when we feel that we have come to the end of our assumed resources and capacities. So Sisu is a Finnish word from my native culture. Uh, I was born in Finland in the Ostrobotnia in the Western region 40 some years ago. And this concept we've had for over 500 years. Uh, it's the first written expression of Sisu. extends way back. Sisu doesn't have any synonym or exact translation in any language. Mm-hmm. But you can say that it denotes this kind of 
extraordinary perseverance in the face of extreme adversity, or the ability, as I described in my research paper uh, that was published in 2019, also an action mindset, which allows us to take on challenges that seem to way go past our capacities and resources. So we have the courage to embark on a journey toward a dream. And also, mm. thirdly, Sisu is this kind of a latent power that we have. So it's not there present at all times. It is, I call it the land of Sisu, you know, where we visit in those times when we have faced a wall, as if you would in a marathon. So in the same happens in life, as we all know, when we seem to have nothing left. And yet when we stay a little longer, there is this second wind. So Sisu denotes this specific moment that happens that allows the journey to continue and us to keep on going. Fascinating. Do you, do you think, Elizabeth, that people give up too soon or too quickly then on their goals and on their, their life projects and aspirations in the sense that, you know, we all live in our own minds and we all, to an extent, can have limiting beliefs. And if you believe you can only go so far, you know, are people inclined to stop then? It seems to be so. Uh, I'll quote my um, mentor from ages ago, who I wish if he was still alive, he would have been the person I would have sent my papers for review, who is William James, who was the father, so-called oh, yes. father of modern psychology. Absolutely, and, uh, from Harvard. Yes, brilliant man, and also Absolutely. very big hearted, very curious about the human experience, lived a very... Um, deep life. He, he himself suffered a lot from depression and uh, all kinds of ailments. So it was not an easy journey for, for uh, William. And he also was very passionate among many other things that took his, that he gave his passion to, but also about this quality of this life force or what he called second wind. And this energy that is accessed in a time of crisis. And he says in The Energies of Men that I warmly recommend for anyone to read who's unfamiliar with William James. And, you know, he was a prolific writer, so he has a massive amount of uh, text that he wrote. And it might be a little bit hard to get inside it maybe for someone new. But The Energies of Men is a small booklet that he published in 1914. And he talks about this quality of energy. And he says in the beginning that we rarely go beyond this first signs of fatigue when we encounter that. And we give up way too soon the first signs of distress or or uh, tiredness when it kicks in. But if we do stay, uh, this fatigue usually resides and there's this second and third and even fourth wind that might intervene. And to be like really for my own life, the biggest journey has been that I've had this will and drive to go and find those wins. And I truly discovered much more about myself than I ever, ever thought that I had within me. And this is a universal quality, this Sisu. It's a, it's a bandwidth, mm. it's a highway that we can step on, you know? I mean, I think in life, you know, the universal often comes from the particular if you were to talk about Sisu in your own life, Elizabeth, how mm. did you discover Sisu and how have you learned to access that life force in your own mm. life journey? Mm. I think this very beautifully bridges to 
to that space where Sisu is most visible because it's so easy to get kind of carried away by very heroic stories, you know, and these things we might see in the tabloids, you know, and and things we tend to celebrate. But the real life turf is in the moments when we face something unexpected in our own lives. And such was the thing for me and the beginning of this research that it would probably never, ever come about. For me, it goes back 12 years when I was living in New York City. And I had recently got out from a very violent relationship that I was in. And when I started this, we were together for about a year and a half. And when I started this long, tedious at times journey uh, to healing and rebuilding myself, I also came across this concept of Sisu, which from my native culture and my country, it helped me put a word to this experience that I had uh, and how many kind of doors I had to force open that I thought were closed. And I was at times felt like I was sitting in this room with all these doors and no handles. And that could be familiar to someone who's experiencing depression, for example, that it's it seems impossible to get out from whatever that state is that we're in. And so the beginning of Sisu was really how I found that will to keep on going and stay alive. And ultimately, as it is part of the human predicament, is that we seek to find meaning. And we mm-hmm. also ultimately seek to give our gift. Mm-hmm. So Sisu became this part of my healing, but it also became uh, much more than that, this vehicle for giving my gift to the world and finding that unique little uh, space where where I can serve. So Sisu was the response really to the question I had some months after the relationship ended, to the question that kept me up at nights, which was, how do humans overcome extreme adversity? Mm. And second part, um, how might we help each other to avoid some of the potholes on the way to healing? And these were my very innocent questions. I did not know I'm going to end up doing research on anything. I was still in a different job at the time. So it's been quite an unexpected journey. And what have you learned and how have you grown through cultivating more Sisu in your life, Elizabeth? Hmm. Uh, taking this path of Sisu, as I a little bit maybe dramatically even call it, uh, that I walk this path of Sisu because I, for me, I see it really as a as a life philosophy, mm-hmm. as a very all encompassing reality, really, mm-hmm. because it teaches me with every single decision when I can. We're all humans, so you know we win some, we lose some. Sometimes we manage, sometimes not. But the striving towards using every opportunity and encounter so that it can teach me so that I kind of view life as a dojo. So every interaction and a reached out hand is a chance for me to see how do I roll? How do I get up? Do I barely come up? Can I tenderly start to integrate a little bit of grace into these even these very tough moments? And when I have chosen to view life like this. It also comes with, or for anyone, you know, we need a lot of guts as well. Mm, Courage, as you said. Mm. mm, Life can be, you know, she's like the mother bear. Sometimes tough love, 
It's not easy. And we sometimes need to dive into the belly of the dragon, uh, meet those things in our own psyche, in our life, those things we would rather repress and hide. But knowing how it has been for me, and in a little bit maybe Jungian sense, is that it is in the belly of the dragon where that diamond and that jewel awaits. And how Carl Jung said that until we bring that which is unconscious to our conscious level, we keep calling it our fate and it will direct our life. So it's been a journey of learning to stand more bold in the face of adversity and not get so 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 nervous and fearful mm-hmm. because I've mm-hmm. seen it enough times that somehow always we find the support and I've also learned to ask for support. So yeah, it, it goes to resilience, which I know that you talk a lot about. And asking for support isn't always easy. No, no. Especially for many people who've learned that the best way to survive in life is to be very, very Mm self-reliant, which was the journey for me. And I didn't want to consume resources from other people or the system. I would rather do it myself. And it might look like a very noble goal even, you know. But at the end of the day, what's underneath that is that we also deny this part of us as humans, which is so core, which is interdependence, Mm. which for some people like myself might require extra courage to open to that connection, which is nowadays the path that I incorporate into my Sisu. And it's made it so much more uh, fruitful and rich. So, you know, a moment in time reflection I'm having, Elizabeth, is a definition of courage that I use, which is that, you know, courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to walk through those fears in support of something that matters to you. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel that's what I hear you saying. And what I really want to ask you is, you know, how do you, you mentioned Sisu as being your North Star. How do you how do you stay on track? How do you practice and incorporate the principles of Sisu into your own daily life? Hmm. So right now, and I think because it's being become a little bit integrated into me and embodied, because I've been researching Sisu for 12 years now. No, 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 like almost 12, 11, 10 years. So for me, it quite naturally happens that I try to slow down enough so that in these moments where I have a decision to be made, whether I show up from full heart or whether I'm willing to have a tough conversation or ask the hard questions or get constructively uncomfortable, which is one nice way to develop our capacity to do hard things. And that can be done with pretty much anything. It's just fostering this kind of awareness that which path do I choose? And while I do so, of course, remaining gentle with myself. It's not that I need to succeed every time, but if nothing else, at least viewing it as data that tells me where am I right mm. now as a human and what pushes my my buttons and where can I a little bit you know, open to growth or yes. um, to more humility, for example. So using your everyday experiences as an opportunity to learn and grow. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a it's a treasure trove that if mm. one chooses to look at it like that, then we're never alone. We're never without a purpose. We're never without material to work with. Absolutely. And and if somebody listening was thinking, 
what would be the first step they could take to move in that direction of bringing more sisu into their everyday life what might you say as as a sort of a you know you you've been studying it as you say for 11 years this is part of who you are now um mm-hmm. you know they say 10 years is the entry point to, to mastery but for somebody listening who hasn't come across this term before what might be the first steps they could usefully take to mm-hmm. move in the direction of more sisu mm-hmm. so everything to me starts from awareness mm. so it starts with from this moment now right now we're having this conversation and this concept comes up sisu diving into this concept by looking back in our own lives to get a little bit familiar that where have we expressed this kind of energy in our own lives so that we we start to see those moments when we look back at our track record because what I've noticed a lot when I've traveled the world and talked a lot about Sisu, and it doesn't matter which culture, if the people are familiar with Sisu or not, but oftentimes when I describe what it is that we unearth these reserves and it keeps, it's the thing to keep us going and it's the life force and the life spark. There is a light bulb that flashes and people recognize what the phenomena is. And it's often what I've noticed is that it's easier for us to recognize Sisu in other people and less so in ourselves. So I would start with a very gentle task of journaling, maybe, our stories of Sisu. What was the moment where I thought I can't possibly make it? And what did you do? How did you make it? And then even tracking what were those little tools? You know, Mm. you spoke about asking for help or taking a step. So first understanding that there is this life quality. And then second, consciously choosing some kind of a goal that you want to pursue. And this is a very simple thing to say, but why it's worth saying is that it's easy to get distracted and get on this autopilot. My friend recently said that the most important thing is to remember the most important thing. So similar, Sisu has a similar tone that we need to remember to keep gently pursuing certain goals that take us to that space that's outside what I call our sphere of life force, which is the line where Sisu begins. And the easiest way to do it is to do what this man called Roddy Ferguson, who's a PhD and a judo Olympian, he called it in a YouTube video, getting constructively uncomfortable, which means that in daily life, when there's those two or three or few options that we can take, um, we can in each moment choose the one that's a little bit more demanding. And um, this doesn't necessarily um, be a thing that directly involves our Sisu, you know, because it can be the simple thing of you choose the stairs instead of the elevator that's waiting. Mm. Movement is medicine. Yeah, exactly. And why it's so useful is that um, then we exercise our capacity to get comfortable with doing a thing that's a little bit more more demanding. And it doesn't need to be psychologically something super hard or like definitely not psychologically uh, destructive or something. And But sometimes we can take bigger goals. And um, we were just speaking before we started the talk that I would recommend anyone who's physically um, capable to even sign up and do uh, train for a half Ironman or an Ironman because it will definitely show us that sphere of life force that we maybe did not know we have. And then when it's done, 
we are forever a little bit changed and stretched in our minds and in our bodies. What drove you to run and bicycle all the way across New Zealand for a lady from Finland? I'm really curious about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it almost feels like um, it's one of those things that were somehow just really written in the stars. New Zealand, for some reason or another, it's kind of felt like a spiritual home country mm-hmm. for me a little bit, just like mm-hmm. there's a bit of that similarity to Ireland, which mm-hmm. we just mentioned that I have very small part of my genetic code. We're, we're the land of saints and scholars, as we like to say here in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or used to be anyway. I had this um, call for this country. I'm sure someone might recognize this feeling that sometimes some place, you know, just really lights us up, that it has like a different energy. And New Zealand was that for me, as long as I remember. And then uh, part of the reason why I did the run was to, on one hand, collect data to understand what Sisu is, because I felt that it's such a big concept because we're researching life force and it's really integral to the Finnish culture. So I was thinking, how do I honor this old, old concept that is feels so huge that I don't just kind of do it inside a little a lab and um, kind of do it, but really give it my all because Sisu is about giving one's best in a given day. And so I, I was reminded of this dream that I once had right after the violent relationship ended, actually. And in that dream, I was running across this beautiful green country, which I somehow in that dream knew that it was New Zealand. And I was reminded of this dream years and years later when I had started to do the PhD work. And uh, a lot of things kind of just came together. So I ended up going to New Zealand to collect the data for the PhD and also to start a campaign called Sisu, Not Silence, which was about inviting communities to come together to create psychological safety mm-hmm. and promote this culture of nonviolence in, in all forms. So it was kind of an initiation for me on top of that. So quite the journey of a lifetime. If you're looking back now, Elizabeth, to your 21-year-old self, you know, through the lens of Sisu, what advice might you give her? Mm. I think for me now at... Um, I'm 41 and a half. And uh, so I've gone through that major threshold of 40s, which definitely was very uh, difficult, but good experience. So to those who are approaching it, and if it's tough, keep on going. There's gold. Looking back at my younger overachiever or someone who was quite hard on herself, mm. uh, way too much and, and, way too self-reliant i would say that you know just do your best show up and and then also know how to let go and not mm. overdo it that it gets easier by time mm. and and even though life is about showing up and we must give our best but there's also something to be said about not being too serious about it so mm. the more i age and the more i go through these challenges that were thrown at me or the ones I've chosen, it seems to me that with each diamond that I managed to dive from the belly of the dragon, there's always a little bit more light, lightfulness and ease that comes. So I think uh, if I had known that it's going to end up there anyways, maybe I would have been a little bit, a little bit more easy with myself and also mm. just reached out to people and uh, 
done things together and ask for support, you know, and co-creation. I think they're great reflections. Mm. Are you a grateful person? I would say I'm very grateful nowadays. I mean, there's no other way, you know, because we're all carried. And uh, there was a question that you had. You sent me brilliant questions, by the way. I was really uh, very moved. And um, there was one which was a career highlight. Is it okay mm. if I share it? Absolutely. Already? You got the floor. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I wrote it down and it's also that I get to give gratitude by saying it. And And one of the career highlights was that this woman who's been a mentor and someone who I really looked up to since the moment I saw her and was a little bit intimidated by at first as well, um, who is Angela Duckworth. Oh, yes. Um, Miss Grit. Uh, yes, Miss Grit, the mother of Grit. Professor finally. Grit, yeah. Professor Grit, exactly. And so there was a moment when we had a conversation, Angela and I, and um I told her about this concept in Finland, Sisu, and I was kind of moving on from that topic a little bit. Mm. And then it was Angela who connected with me and said that, you know, I think you should really consider doing your master's thesis on Sisu. If you do, I will advise it. So where the gratitude comes now and the kind of life advice as well is that the value of seeing someone's potential Mm. before they even recognize it, mm. can have absolutely life-altering consequences, which for me, having Angela in that moment kind of be that person who saw. So I have just nothing but gratitude and love for her. And I hope to well, keep that and pass it on myself. Isn't that wonderful? And, and uh, you know, Angela Duckworth's, you know, kindness and generosity of spirit in nurturing the seeds of Sisu in you have, have led to the flourishing of that, of you and your PhD. And now you're sharing that with other people, which I think is just, that's just a wonderful example of, of positive health and, and well-being mm. in action. Mm. And legacies built. And legacy, in, absolutely. Invisible little seeds. How do you stay healthy yourself? Besides the usual daily movement, which for me nowadays is very, very, very modest compared to doing well, 20 or 30 kilometers a day of runs. I go for walks. So you set a fairly day. high bar now in fairness with the uh, across New Zealand pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I luckily kind of um, calibrated back to this more ease and I, mm. I enjoy it so much and I realize that less is more sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So walking everywhere usually wherever I can. I hardly ever use the public transportation or anything here in Helsinki. Of course, the distances are pretty manageable, but I try to walk everywhere and just incorporate daily movement. But a practical thing which I have adopted, which has really made a significant impact, has been the cold water. They call it therapy nowadays in Finland. Yes. We're completely normal that we just do it. But that's something how I care for my nervous system. And I really have that access to the where the magic really happens. And, you know, nowadays I do it in the shower when I, if I can't go outside. And um, what high, high, high recommendation to, to mm. look into that. It's really interesting how, you know, the cold water, as you said, even in the shower, it seems to trigger a massive release of both noradrenaline, which calms us, and um, endorphins, which make us feel more calm, energized and optimistic, as well as that microdose of sort of morphine as well. You put it so beautifully. <laughs> and you know that moment, especially when someone tries that for the first time, to choose to turn the knob 
Yes. In the shower. <laughs> That's easy. Tiny thing can really have life altering shifts, you know. So, and this reminds me, you know, because I know saunas are a big thing in Finland uh, from my, my reading. Are you into saunas as well or just the cold? Very, very, very much. Yeah. It's like I do it twice, once or twice a week. Interesting. And I alternate with very hot sauna. And then going and doing the first 30 seconds, then a minute, minute and a half or two minutes of just cold water and then back to sauna. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something I consciously do. And oh, goodness, I love it. And it seems to have such incredible well-being benefits as well, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of reducing heart disease and giving you these heat shock proteins and mm-hmm. uh, like a little mini workout as well as being, I think, quite a mindful experience as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I, lo- I must say I love saunas. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're terrific. Mm. And what a simple thing, you know, mm. at the end of the day that you oftentimes these most magical, um, helpful things are really the simplest as well. Mm. It is. I, I, I really think, you know, I think it was um, Leonardo da Vinci said simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. You know, to be able to simplify our lives back into the essence of who we are, into the essence of what matters, of what's important, to try and distill it down and then move forward one step at a time. I think that's really, in many ways, that's the sweet spot of purpose and vitality and, you know, self in in that, as you said, interdependent manner, as opposed to a mm-hmm. simple self-reliance manner. I think simplicity is a beautiful thing. Elizabeth, for for our listeners, and this might be a summary of some of the things you've said already, three take-homes for a more resilient mind, which may translate to you as for a more Sisu-based mindset. If you were to give our listeners three things, what would you say? Hmm. Shortly, briefly, I think one thing, start to view all of life as this dojo, which is Japanese, that it means a, a place of training. I love so that. every interaction, every failure, mm-hmm. uh, every possibility, uh, an opportunity as a chance to grow. That's how mm-hmm. I started to do public speaking. I was massively afraid of public speaking, that it was just, it was a terror. And I decided that I will say yes to every opportunity that comes my way, and then I will just figure it out. And then years later, it's something that I enjoy doing and I get mm. to develop myself in that. So so that's been good, very important. And then I would pull here as well this idea of getting constructively uncomfortable. So no one needs to shy away from challenges because we can also incorporate them in, in very easy ways. And then as a third thing, I would bring this idea which the book that came out, which is called Gentle Power. And Gentle Power is this high octave, constructive version of Sisu. So it's very important to bring in that mindfulness and thoughtfulness when we overcome these big challenges, that we do it also the right way. That Sisu as as a quality in Finland, it's not only about this resolve, but it's also about doing things well. So it's about integrity. It's about higher good purpose. And that's why it's not only about what we do, but as this gentle power or graceful strength, it's about how we do what we do. And when we align the toughness with the softness, 
it also will allow us to have um, access to resources within us because when we move from this more from positive emotions as our friend Barbara Fredrickson has researched for decades now better access to our cognitive resources better chances with risk taking and sense of courage and all that so so those three things i would put in as little pathways to building mm-hmm. that resource i think that's wonderful and finally elizabeth for you what's the meaning of life mm. So my 21-year-old self would have said something completely different. But now with my, with this woman who I'm now, I will have to say that the meaning of life is love, mm. which in practice means how much am I able to keep my heart open as I go through the fluctuations of life, the tough and the easy, the meetings with people. That's beautiful. Well, Elizabeth, it's been wonderful having you in the doctor's chair Keep leading, keep inspiring, and keep spreading Sisu wherever you go. Thanks a million. Thank you, Mark, so much. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.